You're listening to Energy Insiders, a weekly update on clean energy and climate policy with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading energy analyst David Leach. Energy Insiders is brought to you by Evergen, providing cutting-edge energy management software for battery optimisation, virtual power plants and distributed energy resources. And Pylon, helping solar installers and retailers design high-resolution solar proposals in minutes. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Energy Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and its associated websites, the EV Focus, the Driven and One Step Off the Grid. And uh, joining me as usual is ITK Principal David Leach. David, I trust you are well and coping with yet another rush of news about energy stuff. Giles, I am well. I trust all our listeners are well and enjoying spring when electricity prices are lower. And haven't we got a great guest this week? Well, we do. Look, all the focus has been on uh, the uh, discussion about would we or should we or can we or won't we close the country's biggest coal generator, Araring, and um, can the New South Wales government negotiate a deal with Origin, uh, which won't be easy um, whichever way you look at it. And uh, just a short while ago, we managed to catch up with New South Wales Energy Minister Penny Sharp, and here's what she had to say. Um, Minister, thank you very much for joining the Energy Insiders podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It seems like the New South Wales position on Araring has evolved quite considerably um, over the last six months from uh, talking pre-election to wanting to buy the coal plant to now saying that you'll talk with Origin about the closure date, but admitting or realising that you've got a lot of other options. I'm wondering why you're bothering to talk to Araring at all, or to Origin at all, sorry, about Araring. <laughs> well, look, I think that we, you know, things have changed a lot. And as you know, we're in a very rapidly developing space. You know, the New South Wales government's absolutely pedal to the metal in relation to renewable energy rollout and, and dealing with the roadmap and looking at all of those other options. But look, we can't ignore that there are, you know, reports that suggest that if um, Araring departs um, in 2025 that there'll be some challenges around both price and reliability. We're looking at all of the other alternative options um, that would make sure that we can actually try to avoid that but we also just can't um, ignore the reports that we've got and so we've said that we'll be talking to Origin about clarifying their their position and, and what's going to happen going forward. Yeah, the AUMO report, I think, was sort of fairly clear that um, if some of the tenders that you're currently running, and particularly the firming tender, which has recently been expanded, some of the other projects are delivered, which people expect that to happen, then there won't really be any um, risk of a reliability shortfall. Um, I guess this is probably mostly about price, isn't it, rather than the lights going out? Look, it's about two things. It's about, um, there's no doubt that there's been excellent work done to get, you know, the firming tender and working with the Commonwealth to increase that is all very good. But the one thing that AEMO doesn't really check for is construction risk. And the idea that everything needs to be absolutely on time is a real issue that, um, you know, I struggle with every day. We know that, you know, many projects are going over time. Um, so it's the consideration of that and it's always the consideration of price. Um, these things, the support for the transition um, within the community is also dependent on how they're feeling and experiencing that transition. And as we know, costs and electricity prices have been going up. We know the best way to get them down is to get more renewables in as quickly as possible. So we're doing those things. But, you know, we have to, we have to balance the exit with the um, entry of, of new renewables and, and that's what we're doing. Mm. So... Um... 
Um, it's David Leach here, and thank, thanks for uh, talking. Um, I'm, my, I don't really care about Araring that much, to be honest, whether it stays for another six months or not. I don't think that myself is, is what, in the end, uh, I will judge the New South Wales government's performance by. I'm interested in how you're going to win the hearts and minds of the New South Wales regional community and the change role for Energy Co. And, you know, whether there's a role, I guess, for having a, a special activity precinct and a whole of REZ plans and that can bring the councils along. And then also another part of this complex question, how you're going to deal with people like down in the Tumut area that are not, say, part of an REZ, but nevertheless heavily impacted uh, by the whole thing. So it's a hearts and minds question, really, and whether the New South Wales government is going to help or hurt. Well, we're going to have to help because we won't get it done if we don't fix those issues. Look, the the big thing coming out of the checkup for me yesterday was um, that you know New South Wales government's made delivery of the roadmap and the transition um, a strategic priority for the government. What in effect that means is that we're going to bring all of government um, around the table um, through myself and the premier to really deal with those issues that are happening in communities. We know that the things that communities are concerned about are things like housing, roads, um, you know, where are they going to get the skills for and, and what are the benefits for those for the community. We want to bring all of government's um, you know, shoulder to the wheel to actually smash through some of those barriers that have been there to date. We think that will help. I think um, much better coordination through the things like the renewable energy zones and I think Central West Arana is going to be key to getting that right and to really make sure it's going well. I've been out to Dubbo. I've met with the councils. I've met with um, a range of different um, Aboriginal organisations, for example, and you know, their complaints are legitimate. Their complaints are that they've got a bunch of people running around, knocking on their doors, demanding their time and attention, not clear about what the, you know, what the process is, not understanding what it means for them. I think that there is a really significant role for government to do that better and, in fact, my view is it's essential that we do it better because if we don't, community support both within the reses and outside other, you know, outside the reses as well is, 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 will become more fragile and everything then becomes far more difficult. One of the things that you've identified from, from the report and, and your response is also sort of improving the planning process. I mean, why has there only been two um, projects, well, apart from the recent rush um, of, of approvals of some battery and some solar projects, but um, for, for many years there, just nothing got approved and there still hasn't been a wind farm approved for several years. Look, we just have to, we have to move through that. I mean, the good news is that there's, I mean, I think at last count, there's 27 projects currently being assessed. There's about another 65 that are getting ready for submission in terms of um, their EIS. Look, we, I'm talking to the Planning Minister, Paul Scully, all the time about this. We know that we need to try and um, help proponents in terms of getting you know their material ready and ready to submit. Um, we need to look at ways in which um, it's very clear in terms of the decision making and the timeframes. Um, we've put, well, there's extra look. There are extra planners that have been put into the planning system, but one of the things we've committed to out of the checkup too is to really improving that. I've been really pleased to talk with many in the industry who've got some ideas about that, and we're really running the ruler over all of it. Um, the, the other look. The other part I'd say is you know I've also have my environment hat on as well. There's a whole lot of things in the biodiversity space and assessments that I think that we could try to streamline, and we're really putting our minds to that as you know yeah. right now. I was talking to someone about biodiversity this morning who knows a lot about it, and he was saying that I asked him why wouldn't you have a whole of REZ biodiversity plan. Uh, 
And he was saying, well, where the New South Wales government's tried to, or the DPIE's done that before, it's actually gone very badly and they've ended up handing it back to the private sector and they haven't been finished. Uh, I, I guess my question is just about skills and people. If people, it's a people business and I, I, I hope that whoever's in charge of it is actually got the skills to get the job done because quite clearly the hearts and minds part of it's just not been won at the moment sufficiently. No, I think that's right. I think we need to, there's a lot to be learned about what not to do. I think we can all point to projects around the state where everyone's pretty unhappy equally for different reasons. Um, but look, around that kind of biodiversity piece, for example, I don't understand. I have been asking those questions. Why can't we do, um, you know, a sort of renewable energy zone wide assessment? We need to work through that. Um, but I am asking all of those questions, you know, not only do we not have enough planners, not only do we not have enough electricians, we actually don't have enough ecologists. Um, there's a whole sort of set of piece of work that I think that we could do that, you know, consistency is really important, giving certainty around timeframes. Um, we're really grappling with all of that. But it, it is, for me, I think it's where we can actually make the gains that we need to, to really build the pace. I've got um, two more questions. Um, yeah. New South Wales government has announced um, today an increase in coal royalties. That's going to raise quite a significant $2.7 billion. Your treasurer has been talking about it being used for renewable energy infrastructure. What can you tell us about that? Will that money be used simply to give uh, money to Origin or will you be using it to fast track all those things so you don't have to do a deal with Origin? Look, the treasurer, I think, today was very clear. The, the money that will be raised off the increase in royalties is really about essential services and us, you know, the government came to office off the promise of restoring essential services. That's about schools, that's about hospitals, it's also about renewable energy. Um, we'll be making some announcements um, in the lead-up to the budget that will probably give you a bit more information and maybe you can have me back then and I can talk to you more about that. But, look, the, you know, the money for the royalties is to restore essential services. The government is also very focused on having the road, you know, the roadmap on, on track. You know, we inherited it. Um, it's a good, it's, you know, basically the checkup showed that the fundamentals are right, but we need to get it back on track, which is about costs and it's about trying to deal with delays. That's what we're going to do. And, you know, the money that will be going um, into the into the budget, uh, there's not about the coal royalties, um, will be revealed very soon, but it's all about getting renewables into the ground as quickly as possible. I'm just wondering if you think that you're sort of, when you're talking with Origin, do you feel like you're in a position of strength now because you do have other options? Um, you are opening up the distributed networks, for instance. You can put more consumer um, energy resources in there. I'm thinking particularly batteries for commercial industrial users and things like that to sort of deflect any sort of cost rise. Um, or do you feel like, you know, kind of Origin's got it over you because they've got a really big machine that they're threatening to switch off? Or do you think, uh, yeah? No, I mean, look, our view very much is not a day longer, not a cent that needs to be spent in relation to this. And we are lucky that we have, you know, the, the, the parts of the checkup that didn't get a lot of mainstream media attention is all of those things. It's about really um, concentrating on focusing on the opportunities in terms of consumer energy resources. We're going to be doing a strategy about that. But more than that, I'm really keen just to harness the enthusiasm within the community for the transition and how we can, you know, help them better access that and, and deal with the equity issues that are built into that. I think that, um, you know, the firming tender and, you know, working with a Commonwealth government who actually is as committed to net zero as we are 
and finding ways where they can help us through things like the firming tender is, you know, extremely exciting. I mean, yesterday, you know, I spent a lot of time gathering the wisdom of many people in this industry and it's an industry that's new to me. I didn't do energy prior to, you know, I wasn't the shadow spokesperson for this prior to the election. But, you know, a lot of their wisdom has been picked up and was reflected in, in the checkup. And the other part of it is, you know, what is the work that's happening? What are the quick and easy wins outside the reses? How do we, how can we, um, you know, open up distribution and transmission um, so that people can plug more easily in there? So there, I think there's a lot of exciting things there when it comes to dealing with origin. They've got, you know, they've got their own responsibilities to their own customers as well. So it's going to be, I think the Treasurer said today, he's expecting a pretty tough negotiation um, and with some pretty high expectations from the government in relation to um, what comes out of that. I've got one final question and two comments. One is that I think Origin's very, Erarring's uh, quite profitable at the moment, assisted by the New South Wales government coal price uh, cap and likely to remain so when I look at the futures prices. The second comment is that uh, it would be nice to see something happening behind the metre household storage uh, batteries, which was slated by uh, AEMO and the ISP to make a big contribution, but no government seems to be doing much to help that along. And my question is about uh, transmission easements, what the New South Wales government can do to improve that. You've offered money, but uh, the feedback I get is that the money is either not enough or not, in any case not making a difference. And there's still like, even though you can run livestock, you can crop under a transmission easement. H how can you win more support for that? Look, I just think there's more work to do here. Um, you know, better discussion, better coordination of effort, better understanding and a bit more listening to some of the people who are concerned about this. I feel like... There's a, there's a small group of people who are, are just dead against any transmission. I think there are a lot of people who just want better information, a sympathetic ear and, some, you know, care for working about whether there are options and slight changes that would actually make the impact on their land better. I think we should be open to all of those things um, and, I th you know, I think we need to do it. I mean, there is the sort of discussion about the overground, underground issue we're not, you know, undergrounding is is not really an option given what we need to what we need to achieve very quickly, and we need to work through that, and we need to work through that with landholders. Yes, uh, well, that's the end of my questions. I just make one further comment that I think the feedback I consistently get is there's not been enough high level energy co people and maybe government people and too much from, from consultants trying to tell farmers how things work. But that's just I'm sure you've had that feedback already. So I won't. Well, I mean, I've, I think there's two points to that. One is I want to see more local presence from local people. Um, in the work that Energy Co does, so that there's actually that those you know the sort of fly in fly out consult community consultants. I don't think is a good is a, is a good way to deal with communities seriously, and they know that. Um, I think that there's there's a lot of goodwill um, through Energy Co, and they're wanting to do that better. But we're constantly talking about how we can improve that, and you know part of you know one of the things I've already done is I went out to Dubbo a couple of months ago, and I said I'm going back again. Um, in the next month or so so that we can actually see some progress and gather some feedback from community about whether they're seeing improvements because I'm determined that we get this right here, everywhere else will be easier and we want New South Wales to be, um, you know, the best place um, for this work to be done and for communities to genuinely be, be able to touch and feel and begin to feel part of the transition that's got benefits to them, not just um, is you know hosting hosting infrastructure that they don't feel connected to or get any they believe they don't get any benefit from heaps of benefits yep thank you very much minister just just very quickly then when do the negotiations with origin and um, and, and do they include uh, Brookfield for instance when do they start 
Well, obviously, Brookfield's going through their own process through the ACCC and through, um, you know, the other kind of Commonwealth approvals. So that's really a matter for them. Um, you know, part of the thing that we know that everyone needs is certainty around what happens next. So, look, we'll get our skates on in relation to that. I'm not going to be broadcasting blow by blow, even though I get asked at every single press conference I do. Um, but, you know, we're working very hard to make sure that renewables get in place as quickly as they can. We can build the momentum that's there. We know the interest is there um, while working working through the issues with Origin. But, you know, obviously I would hope to be able to give certainty um, as soon as we can, but there's a bit of work to do. Okay, Minister, thank you very much for joining the Energy Insiders podcast. We really appreciate you making yourself available in this uh, very frenzied and busy period. <laughs> Thanks very much for having me. That was New South Wales Energy Minister Penny Sharp. Um, we'll be back in a few moments after this break. Australia's most anticipated clean energy event, All Energy Australia, returns to the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre October 25 and 26. This event is a must for industry suppliers and experts and those involved in the renewable energy and energy storage sectors. Featuring over 350 suppliers and attracting more than 10,000 industry professionals, you can't miss this free event. Register now for All Energy Australia 2023, October 25 and 26, Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre. David, um, interesting comments. It was great having Penny Sharp onto the podcast. Um, I still don't quite understand why they're even bothering negotiating with Origin. Um, what would you say would be the minimum that they want out of that? I mean, they don't want the whole coal-fired power station operating for another year or two. I mean, you, you said in the podcast that you seem unfussed either way. Um, I would have thought of anything, maybe a unit spinning in reserve in the background for another summer or two might be as much as we need. And um, goodness knows how much that would cost. Uh, certainty is a big deal, certainly for the employees. I mean, we, last week we had Mark Collette uh, proudly, and I correctly saying, what a good job um, uh, Energy Australia had done in managing the employee uh, future for your lawn, which is going to close in 2027. Similarly, Araring uh, closure, uh, coming on top of the Liddell closure, means a lot for the workforce up there. And uh, uncertainty caused by negotiations is something that has to be uh, thought about as well. Never mind the fact that Brookfield will probably have a view. Uh, uh, you know, any change in Araring um, status is something I imagine that Brookfield would have to be approved if it's a material change in, in to the takeover. But my view is that actually Origin hasn't done anything to replace uh, the electricity that is coming uh, from Araring. Uh, uh, and Araring is very profitable, and therefore it's got plenty of incentives to keep it running. Uh, irrespective of what the New South Wales government says. Uh, electricity prices out to 2026 baseload futures, uh, still you know, $120 a megawatt hour. Um, uh, at any reasonable coal price, you're going to be making a lot of money out of that. Well, well, why would they bother even sort of talking to them in the first place? I mean, it sounds like from the response from this review... Because they can get even more money. <laughs> no, I know that the Origin will get more money, but why does New South Wales want to give them any? Because they seem to have enough resources at their disposal. Now they've kind of woken up to the planning issues. They've sort of woken up to the opportunities in the distribution network. They've woken up to the opportunities in behind-the-meter battery storage, particularly for commercial and, and industrial users. There's no real risk if we can get those projects delivered on time um, of breaking the reliability standards, so it's kind of mostly about prices before the next election, um, I'd just be saying, well, you know, um, 
I don't know. It's, 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 it's yeah, it's... Well, it's, we're just going to speculate, Giles, from here, so uh, we'll just have to wait and see what's happened. Let me ask you, uh, meanwhile, the rest of the energy world keeps moving along, and Smart Energy uh, held uh, a Brisbane conference, and Queensland's been a state which is uh, cracking on with change itself. I, I believe you were up there at that uh, day yesterday. What, what did you take from it? Yes, I caught the train to Brisbane and went to the wrong conference centre. Which city has two conference centres? I just don't know. But anyway, look, it was pretty interesting. Um, um, yeah, I mean, look, um, look it's um, Queensland. I mean, Penny Sharp would love to be in the uh, Mick DeBrenny shoes in Queensland um, because they still own their state-owned generators. They still own Maybe, but the next election's coming up, Giles. Sorry. Yes, look, I know, but, it, but it's really interesting. I mean, sort of, you know, you talk, you, it's really interesting looking at the state-owned um, the states where the state the states own all the energy infrastructure, so Queensland in particular and WA, they've actually been slower than all the other states in moving towards renewables. But now that they've had that sort of oh gosh moment and suddenly realised the opportunities that are in front of them, they're actually able to accelerate and they're able to, um, um, you know, if they need to, they can just sort of keep a coal-fired generator going on for another six months or a year without having to sort of enter into any negotiations. We saw that in WA with one of the Muji units. Deputy Premier of Queensland, Stephen Miles, made that very clear yesterday that if that's what they need to do then that's what they do and they don't have to talk about it with anyone um, apart from maybe the workers but they've certainly got very big plans for um, hydrogen green hydrogen they want to be the green hydrogen capital of Australia they might have said the world but I don't think that's going to happen but still um, they've advanced the central Queensland hydrogen project which has been led by Stanwell Stanwell's about to announce a new 400 megawatt solar farm near Gladstone which sort of um, slipped out during their presentation yesterday so we'll find out more about that this week so um, so Certainly, um, certainly very, very interesting. Um, David, I would like to point out, uh, cross back going further south, um, Marinus, um, blowout in costs. I guess that's not unexpected. Is it worth still doing? Look, uh, I personally... I haven't done the evaluation on it myself yet, but I, I uh, have always felt that Marinus Link uh, was an important thing to do. Uh, that the cost of the cable can be compared with the cost, I suppose, of building storage uh, somewhere else. And that in addition to having the cable, uh, once you've got it, you can take advantage of Tasmania's excellent wind resource, which is excellent in a standalone session, uh, uh, fashion, very high capacity factors, but also excellent in providing diversity of wind resource compared with, say, wind in, in, in Queensland. Uh, and, and, and so uh, prima facie to me, uh, it very much does stack up, but the individual project, but the benefits won't be felt entirely by Tasmania. In fact, not even very much by Tasmania. It's something that Tasmania is doing for the greater community. Uh, and I think this is a general sort of thing that has to be appreciated by everyone in this transition. It's the total totality of what's achieved that matters, less than your individual contribution. Uh, I know in a for-profit sector and cost and uh, all has to be taken very much into account, but in the same way that uh, uh, Nelson said every man has to do his duty and woman, uh, so it is that the greater portfolio of renewable energy is much better than the individual look of any one part of it. Hmm, okay. Um, but these big, big projects, uh, these, what I call all these, I mean, well, in the case of Snowy, definitely vanity projects are running into problems. And you've raised concerns about things like Barumba and Pioneer Burdekin up in but, Queensland. But can I just say about Snowy, it's for all the criticism, it's still cheaper than Barumba, right? Well, it's got it far more storage uh, and is actually costing less in, in, in the latest set of numbers. Less than what? Less than Barumba. 
Well, I think that's not much, <laughs> not much of a yardstick. Not much of a yardstick. And I do think, I do think, I do agree with your article today because I wrote one weeks ago saying the same thing <laughs> that batteries compare uh, uh, quite favourably, even taking the lifespan, or at least there's much more of a case for batteries. Uh, and I, but anyway. It's a long discussion. Too long for this podcast. It is probably too long for this podcast. Look, um, I'm not too sure um, whether there's much else to talk about. Um, There's... um, uh, What do we have? We have... um, We had a new battery announced in South Australia um, this week from AMP Energy. That's the start of a $2 billion um, investment in solar and storage in South Australia, which will propel that state well beyond 100% renewables. But I guess a lot of it will be used for this assumed sort of green hydrogen demand and creating green ammonia. And um, I think that's probably about it. And we wait with interest to see what happens, if anything, with the discussions with Origin. Um, David, if you're a betting man, what do you think the result might be? Uh, I, I'm uh, betting that Origin won't close in 2025 because the fundamental economics for it are still very good. And as I said, Charles, I don't want to devote too much of time or our time or attention to it. It doesn't matter. What matters is how well the government does and Energy Co Co, with its changed role does in making Irana happen, in making wind and solar projects happen faster than they have been happening and not just forcing them through, but winning the hearts and minds battle, the complicated people battle, the ecologist battle. It's a people business. It's not money. It's not our technology. It's people that we that, and the right people in the right places. Uh, that that is what it's all about. It's not about whether Araring stays open for another year or, or doesn't. Who actually gives a rat's about that? <laughs> You've been listening to the Energy Insiders podcast with Giles Parkinson and David Leach. Um, thank you very much to Penny Sharp, uh, the New South Wales Energy Minister, for joining us this week. Thanks, of course, to our sponsors, Pylon and Evergen. Um, do check out some of the other podcasts that we've got running. Another great interview on Switched On podcast um, this week with Raghu Balor from um, Enphase. Uh, we've got a great interview coming up um, on Solar Insiders from uh, Raygen with their new sort of solar storage project and um, also on The Driven. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening out there and we'll be back again with another episode of the Energy Insiders podcast next week. Bye for now. Energy Insiders was brought to you by Evergen, the market-leading renewable energy software business that optimises residential and commercial solar and battery systems. Evergen enables large numbers of systems to operate as a single fleet so network operators can use them as a virtual power plant, generating significant value for consumers, network operators and the energy system as a whole. Evergen Software is powering the energy system of the future. Energy Insiders was also brought to you by Pylon. Pylon provides easy-to-use solid design software for installers and retailers with pay-as-you-go pricing, no monthly cost and no locking contracts. Join Australia's top solar companies who trust Pylon to design high-resolution, CEC-ready solar proposals.